420 in baseball is really weird right now. The Oakland Athletics have more runs than everybody. Owen Miller is leading the league in batting average. And the Arizona Diamondbacks are still a baseball team. Arm Layton, Peter Apple, this is the Wednesday episode of the Just Baseball Show. What's going on, man? What's the weirdest baseball thing that you've seen so far that makes you realize, wow, it's so early and everyone freaking out about their teams needs to take a chill pill? Well, wait, so they didn't relegate the D-backs yet to AAA? D-backs are still a baseball team. That felt still- crazy to me. <laughs> I mean, no, it's funny because when we were talking about, like, what are we going to get into today? Everything that I, I was looking at, looking at the numbers, looking at the standings, I'm like, it's too early to talk about so much of that in I terms know. of, like, what it actually means or or what anything could mean. Like you said, Owen Miller's, like, pacing Major League Baseball. Uh, what I will say, though, that is absolutely insane is, and this is probably more sustainable, Jose Ramirez, dude, what he's doing is insane. He's hitting for power. He's hitting for average. And I think he's striking out only 5% of the time. That was one of the most amazing things I've seen so far is the 5% K rate from a guy that we talk about being in a lineup where no one wants to pitch to you. No one wants to pitch to J-Ram in that Guardians lineup. And he is still putting up video game numbers. Obviously, he'll slow down a little bit. Um, But the weirdest wacky thing, I think, was the, the Philadelphia Phillies putting up one run. In Colorado, I know you you picked the Rockies. I I tailed that. I liked that pick too uh, yesterday. But like, come on! I even you. There's no way even you thought the Phillies were scoring one run at Coors Field. Like, Are you what? kidding me? I knew Chad Cool would throw six scoreless innings. <laughs> what do you mean, Chad Cool? Of course, Chad Cool would do that. No, I didn't expect that at all. That that is wacky because you would think an offense like the Phillies would come into Colorado first game in the thin air and absolutely demolish. But the reason we took Rocky's money line is because when you're going from a hot muggy Miami four games, don't get an off day. Then you go straight to Colorado with Aaron Nola, who the curveball is not going to move as much in Colorado. We know all that, but that's not important. What is important of course, is that we hit Rocky's money line plus plus one fifty. But what's more important is today is the mailbag. We went to Twitter. We asked, we asked you guys, to ask us questions on our Twitter <laughs> at just BB media. And we really wanted to focus on Twitter because our Twitter now led by our guy, Ethan Badowski is absolutely humming. We're coming out with 30 to 50 different highlights every single day across the league, starting at 1 PM Eastern, whenever the games start to one in the morning with our good night baseball tweet. So these are all from our Twitter arm. We just got to shout out Ethan for a second. Oh yeah. I mean, Ethan's been awesome. Um, it's, it's funny. Cause I'll try to jump in and fill in when I think he's not available to, to put up a highlight and I go to post it and it's already up. So like Ethan, Ethan Vodowski has been on it. He loves it. And honestly, I know there's other accounts that are frequently tweeting highlights, but Ethan, I don't think misses a single thing. So it, it's definitely worth following on, on just BB media. Uh, not only is it like the highlights, the big plays, the big home runs, but also, uh, you know, like Marlins players running into each other. You get everything. So very excited about that side of things. And it's a great way where if you're like, 
on the road or you're out or you can't keep up with all the games, just keep up with the just baseball feed. You're not going to miss a single notable play or, or big home run uh, from the night. You certainly won't. But so let's start with our first question. And our first question is less about baseball and more about us. And I, I was really happy to see this question come across our Twitter at just BB media. Number one, how did the trio of Peter, Jack and Aram meet and decide to create just baseball? I know you guys have told the story briefly in a pod episode, but would be fun to hear the full rundown that was asked by at Dom fully on Twitter, our guy, Dom Aram, would you like to start or because it really started during COVID. And what I remember is I was working for the New York Yankees and I was trying to sell season tickets in a pandemic. Your minor league job got taken away due to the pandemic because yeah. they just didn't have a minor league season. Yeah. So I'm sitting here waking up at 5.30, 5 in the morning, working on East Coast time in California, trying to make sales calls that go nowhere because you can't sell season tickets in a pandemic. So yeah. I'm calling Arm and I'm saying, dude, we can really create a baseball media company. And we thought about the website, but I'll throw it over to you because that's kind of where the web, the website was really the birth child, which then grew to everything else. Yeah. What's funny too, is I think the best way to encapsulate it is we were two guys trying to work in baseball who couldn't because the world was halted. So as a result, you know, like, we can't go look for other jobs. We can't go do anything. Like, so we're just kind of seeing things through and we just created our own baseball jobs. And honestly, I don't think it was something out of the gate that you and I thought would be a full-time gig at first, right? Like I I was still pursuing broadcasting gigs. You were still doing, you know, whatever you wanted to do as well and working hard. Like I remember when you came and you were, you were working and making calls 24 seven and selling. And I'm like, how are we going to do all this? But it was really just for us to like dip our toes. I knew I was going to be going from team to team. You knew that you weren't going to be able to do as much baseball commentary, I feel like. So it was an opportunity for us to kind of just get experience, put our work somewhere and see where it goes. It just went so fast from there. Um, And I think that's what really floored us is, you know, you start going on TikTok and that explodes. The podcast we post, you know, I I think it started what, three times a week. And just that slowly started to grow. Uh, and then the website, like we were using a rinky dink WordPress site. And then we partnered with Den of Geek, who took a, a basic site and really turned it into what is uh, an insanely comprehensive and amazing website. Combine all of that, we kind of put our heads together at that point and we're like, wait, we can turn this into a baseball media company. Cause I remember you called me and you're like, do you want to turn this thing into a business? And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, like, I was like, we're, we're, this is a fun, media thing that we're doing and it's a cool place to put work and if we can make a few bucks on the side we can but then when the word business came across i was like whoa yeah um and you and i went all in and uh i think the 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 big thing on it what really propelled us into this was that you and i had so many conversations about where baseball was lacking in the coverage and every time we had one of those conversations we're like can we do something about this? You know, and and I think we still have those conversations. I know we still have those conversations, but that was the basis of everything, right? It was like you and I talking. And then of course, getting Jack in the fold was, was incredible. Remember you and I were together when we called Jack and we're like, Hey, you want to do this thing? And, and, and he was on board. Uh, But it really was just conversations of what do we feel like is missing and how can we satisfy (laughs) that? And uh, 
I'm just so glad that everybody else kind of felt the same way, or at least it seems so. And there are we going. I called you on the phone and we were talking over and over and over again. And I said, the way baseball is lacking is there is not one website or one media company that covers everything about baseball. There's the great big outlets like the MLBs and the ESPNs. And we've heard all the different stuff about how there's sometimes their baseball stuff is lacking. And then you have other more niche websites that are more stat based, or you have specific gambling companies or specific trading card or fantasy. Why don't we wrap that all into one website? We do the Just Baseball Show podcast. That'll be the flagship where we're doing it five days a week. And then I'll just jump on TikTok because I saw that during the pandemic, this app is dominating screen time. It is the ultimate outlet to get your content in front of new people. So I said, Arm, like, I'm going to start jumping on TikTok. And you're like, TikTok, you mean the dancing app? And we're going to talk baseball? Like, good luck with that. Let's build up our Twitter and our Instagram because those are the common. I'm like, Trust me, TikTok is going to nah, be huge. I, I definitely liked it because like after a little bit, I was looking at it. And I'm like, I'm seeing all these people just grow so quick. And, and that was that was without a doubt a huge growth engine. But I, I think what it all boils down to is, is we found something that we loved. We found a way to do it differently, right? Like you can't reinvent the wheel. Like we're not going to change anything. Uh, but I think it's just finding the void and filling it. And, and I'm glad people have been receptive to it. And uh, I mean, we're not even a, a year really of fully doing this thing. And uh, to be where we are, I, I'm extremely grateful to, to all the folks that are asking questions. And uh, thanks for asking about the story. Like, we'll we'll one day sit down and like flesh out the whole story. Maybe I'll even write it up or something uh, because there's just so many like wrinkles to it and so many wild things that happened yeah. and still happen. Um, but yeah, it, it's been just a dream come true. And uh you know, when you enjoy what you do and you enjoy who you do it with, it's pretty easy. Uh, and I think that's really what it boils down to for us. So um, I got to say, I do enjoy talking to you and Jack and, and the way that we met just to wrap up on this, taking you all the way back. Jack was actually probably my second or third friend at Syracuse. We met on the second day of college and we just watched baseball all freshman year. Then I met Aram when we all joined our fraternity. Well, Jack actually wasn't in our fraternity, but that's where Aram and I met. We met um, when Aram was rushing and, and we were just talking baseball like the baseball. whole time. Like we yeah. weren't even, we weren't even like talking about the house. I could care less. I was like, finally, like someone who's cool and knows more about baseball or at least the same. It was like, uh, the back and forth was excellent. Then Arm and I joined and we were friends ever since. And then Jack and I uh, and Arm, all of us stayed in touch. Arm and Jack were Newhouse communications people at Syracuse while I was sport management, but we were all friends. And then afterwards I was like talking with Arm. I was like, we're going to start the just baseball show. Like who's the perfect person to do it. Jack McMullen was the yeah. perfect person to do it. And now we're here. The so voice of an angel, the most polished guy on earth. It's, it's, it's wonderful. So yeah, and now we're they, here and we get to do it with all with our best friends. But let's talk some baseball into question number two. Give us your all MLB no batting gloves team. Can include some recently retired players asked by Real Eli on Twitter. That's Eli Sussman, correct? Yes. Our guy, the Eli. The man, the myth, the legend. Um, I, you know, it's crazy. I just met Eli for the first time in person. Like, not long ago, uh, over at spring training, I had never, I hadn't seen Eli, uh, because we just worked, I'd done it remotely for so long. So, uh, it was great seeing you, Eli, and you're killing it over at fish stripes, uh, any Marlins 
content, anything you guys want Marlins related, definitely go check out fishstripes.com because Eli comes up with clever stuff like this. And uh, you put you put together some of the uh, no batting gloves team. So you want me to go through the infield and you go through the outfield because the infield has two, three, maybe three of my favorite players. Sure, go um, ahead. Brad Miller at first base, probably my, my favorite player in Major League Baseball. Um, he just is, he just rakes and no one, no one respects him. Joey Wendell is the definition of underrated, I think. Grinder. Rakes, grinder, defender, does it all. Louis Guillaume is a local guy. I played him in high school. And I mean, it was one of those where it was like, you just assumed he was getting a hit and hoped it was a single. Like, it, you were not getting him out. Um, and he's kind of the same way. He'll foul 50 pitches off and grab more dirt. He's insane defensively. So I love him. And then Matt Carpenter uh, at his peak, really freaking good. Um, our third baseman's a little washed, unfortunately, but we don't, we don't have another hot corner, no gloves guy, unfortunately. And in our outfield, no, none other than Trent Grisham in center ever heard of him. One of the, eh, <laughs> I was going to give him a huge compliment, but he's, he's good. He's good. I thought he would. I, th- I thought he'd take that leap. I hope I he thought does. he'd take that leap too, but that this is not what it's about. And it's about our left fielder, Will Myers, who has decided he's not going to take any leaps anytime soon. I, I love, I love Myers. I uh, do too. But he's, he's like one of the more OG, uh, no batting glove guys, at least like an R, an R lifetime. Like when, when I was making, come up. when I was putting together this list, he was the first name I put down. It's like, well, Will Myers invented not wearing batting gloves, even though that doesn't make any sense because you guys have been doing <laughs> a way longer than he has. Vladdy senior, Vladdy um, senior, goat, no but I decided that the only, well, and then also to round out the outfield and right field, we have Kyle Tucker, who's probably the best overall player on this team, <laughs> but to round out the team, I picked my favorite non batting glove wearer who's recently retired. Quite honestly, I don't know what he's doing right now, but I hope he's doing well. And that's Evan Gaddis because Evan Gaddis raped for a time in baseball. Yeah, no, he, he's fun he to did. watch. Huge. He looks like a bigger version of Darren Ruff. Love Evan Gaddis. Yeah, great story too. I mean, he was someone that was out of baseball, and uh, I believe he was like a ski lift attendant, and then got back into baseball and, and made his way onto uh, a big league team. So super cool story there. What's funny is it's it's almost it's almost comical how every single one of these guys, aside from like I would even say Grisham's a grinder. Every single guy that is a no batting gloves dude is a freaking grinder. Like it's not even, you don't even have to like do mental He's gymnastics. Bill Myers to a grinder. No, no, no. no. <laughs> not a grinder. That's probably the only guy I would say everybody else is like a grinder. Like, like they, I mean, they, Brad they Miller, the game hard. Brad Miller's the definition of grinder. Joey Wendell's another definition of grinder. And Matt Cap- Carpenter invented the word grinder. And Guillaume, I think is in that boat too. I agree. Let's go to number three. This is more baseball talk. Now we're getting straight to it. What do you think of Jared Kelnick heating up? I think he's been seeing the ball really well since the White Sox series. And why do you think Julio Rodriguez is getting screwed by umpires so far this year at just (laughs) underscore lions? I'm going to answer the Julio Rodriguez stuff quickly. He's a taller guy. Judge has been dealing with it for years now. It's the low strike. I actually have seen, I know what he's talking about. I was watching a Mariners game recently. The codify, it was the codify clip, right? Yeah, and Julio Rodriguez was getting screwed, but you're not getting screwed to the sense where you're striking out 40% of the time. He's just not ready, Arm, and that's okay because he's only had about 30 games above high A, and he's still so young. He's my favorite prospect in baseball, but that doesn't mean that he's going to have the best rookie year this year. 
Anything to add about Julio Rodriguez before you talk about Kelnick? What's crazy to me, though, is, you know, how he's in the 99th percentile in sprint speed. He's a freak of nature. Arm. But I, I but nobody, not one. You will not find one scouting write up anywhere that gives Julio Rodriguez plus speed. Except and just baseball.com. Top 100 is coming soon. I might need to tweak it to 60. <laughs> um, it, it's out by the time people are listening to this, actually. Uh, top so 100 people. Top, top 100, 100 MLB prospects on just baseball.com. Go gobble up the, all that content. Oh, 50,000 words. It, it, I, I'm like still fried uh, as we <laughs> talk here. But but no, I, I think you, you hit the point, right? Uh, Julio Rodriguez just wasn't ready. I don't think he is ready for, for big league action at this point only playing 30, 40 games above high A. Uh, his season was kind of split up last year, went and played in the Olympics, which is sporadic competition as well. Um, I mean, the power is crazy. Uh, he's put some good swings on balls, but the approach is just not quite there. Uh, he, his pitch rack isn't quite there. He just needs more ABs. And he's also trying to learn center field on the fly, not learn, but get acclimated to big league center field on the fly. Kind of it, learn. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And uh, look, if he gets sent down, it doesn't change anybody anybody rational uh, that, that does prospect analysis, it shouldn't change their outlook on him. He's going to be just fine. Um, look, like you said, he's a bigger guy. Also Jeff Conine talks about this a lot. R- rookies at times, just, you're not going to get the borderline calls as much. It's just kind of how it goes. Uh, umpires are weird like that. And uh, I mean, look, he's not the first guy to go through this. He could be hitting better with or without the calls. And, and that's kind of what's holding him back. Kalnick real quick to get onto him. I like what I'm seeing from him. I, I tweeted a video a couple days ago of a swing he put on a ball. It was a, it was a change up tailing away down and away. And he went down and got it and drove it in, in into the uh, left center gap. Also hard 90 stretches it into a hustle, double pop-up slide, which I love from Kalnick, but he's seeing the ball better. He's letting it travel. He's using the whole field. He's a guy that likes to get a little bit pull happy when he's using the whole field. He, he looks good. And he's starting to do that again. I think he's breaking out of it. He's a streaky hitter and he's young. I'm kind of souring on him. Really? Not to the sense where I'm like, oh, yeah, bust. Like, he's bad. I just don't think that he's going to be this multiple-time all-star. I think he's going to be an above-average outfielder. And first of all, the glove is not very good. Like, let's just get that out of the way in, early. In a, in a corner, I think it's fine. It's fine, but it's fine in a corner. We, he was coming up. We were thinking that he could play center. Yeah, I, I didn't love that. And, yeah, no, and that's not that's not a you thing. I'm just saying that's the general vibe around Kelnick was he's such a good athlete. He's playing a corner, but you can move him to center because he's so good. No, he's a fine corner. So, all right, let's get that straight straight away. He's a fine corner outfielder defensively. Hitting, he's whiffing a lot. Yeah. He's chasing a lot. He's not taking his walks. And he has a really hard hit ball at 114. So you see the potential pop. But ninth percentile of average exit velocity right now, he has four hits yeah no, so, so he has five hits five hits in 29 at bats 552 ops and 27th percentile in sprint speed he's not running really either yeah i don't think he's had too many opportunities to burn a ton that's, that's a really good point though <laughs> but it's funny like that's that is crazy i think he's normally in the 60 percentile 70th percentile range but uh so one interesting pushback there what you hit on was one thing i was i was going to say mm-hmm. is the zone whiff is is a little bit concerning right but the approach is all right like he's not chasing as much as you think he is still walking some it's the zone whiff that yeah. is concerning me um but I, I think he's he's starting to settle in 
But I do agree. I'm not sure he's going to be this perennial all-star. I think he's going to be a really darn good hitter that's going to hit 30-plus homers, that's going to have some swing and miss. And I think where where the scouting grades may have been a bit off was the hit tool. Uh, I don't think anyone's denying the power, uh, but this was somebody that I think people were very confidently saying had a plus hit tool. And I think we're looking at more of a 260, yeah. 270 hitter than like a arm. 280, 310 hitter that some people thought he could be. Arm, this is what I was thinking. This is going to be Jared Kelnick's like best seasons. I think he's going to be a 265 hitter who hits 25 home runs and steals 20 bases and is a fine defender and left. So I think he's got 30 in the tank. He's Maybe definitely- in his best years, but I, I, I don't think that we're going to see 30 year over year once he's like between 25 to 29, you know? I still hold out the hope that he could be a 30 guy. Um, but I, I do have that concern that, that he's more of the, the 270, 25 home run guy. Uh, really, it's not a question of the power. It's a question of getting into the power. And mm-hmm. uh, we haven't seen him do that unless he goes to his pole side. So it's almost like you're selling out for power or you're kind of caught in between. And I could see him kind of going to be more of that complete hitter. And I, that could result in me being more 270, 25 homers. So it'll be interesting, but I mean, they, they need him. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how Kalnick turns things around. He was phenomenal in the last month of last year. Uh, and maybe he's just a slow starter, but uh, I'm not going to panic at all yet. I'm not going to press the panic button. That's not what I was saying either. I, more I'm just, when I, the more I watch Jared Kelnick, the more I don't think perennial all-star. I mm-hmm. guess that's my point here. Mm-hmm. So let's answer, because we got about five to six one Soto questions. Just everyone's <laughs> asking, should he get traded? Where? For what? Do the Nationals extend him? There's so many Juan Soto questions, so I just kind of combine them all in one and it makes sense with the way we're talking about the Mariners and their outfield. So this is the question. If Juan Soto was traded, who is the most likely destination and what would the package look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- it's a tough question because first of all, the only way he gets traded is if the package in return is the biggest package in a trade ever. And 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 he also would have to say, I'm not staying in Washington and like that's not have to literally say I'm not ex- I'm not signing an extension I'm letting you know in advance so you can get something for me here um but here's the thing there's only about two maybe three teams even capable so this is more of just a thought exercise because I agree I, like I don't think Soto's getting traded I think they're going to find a way to pay him and he's gonna he's gonna stay in Washington he seems like he's happy there and uh they'll they'll, they'll he's not 40 right or he's not 30 He's so young. He's got plenty of time for them to build a contender. And it seems like he's fine with waiting it out. He already got his world series victory. So I think he's fine to wait it out. I don't think they'll trade him, but for the sense of the, uh, for the question, the only teams that I think can really trade for this guy are the Dodgers, the guardians, the Mariners, and maybe which would never happen. Maybe the pirates. Right, like th- those Orioles are the only teams could, but they won't. Or- like Orioles and Pirates won't, but could yeah, technically. They theoretically could, but they won't. Here's a here's the shocker team. Not going to do it. Yankees could do it. The Yankees could could put together a package. Yes, they could. Um, if they put together a package of like, obviously it's headlined by Volpe, and and then Peraza, mm-hmm. and then Dominguez. Mm-hmm. Like that that's a trio of prospects that just no one's matching that. No, the only team that can match that's the Mariners. Um, and then like, if we're talking about 
rebuild. I, you got to put rebuilding teams in the wayside, right? Like the Orioles. Yeah. They could trade Adley. They're not doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, the Yankees are in that conversation too, which question. is just insane, by the way. I have a question. Volpe, Peraza, Dominguez, Waldachuk, Medina. Does that get it done? <laughs> like, it, like, theoretically, that should be able to get you anything in the world. So right? if there's a willingness for him to be traded, we're saying, right? Like if it's, if it's said Soto wants out of Washington, Washington is evaluating trades. Yes. That, that has to get it done. And think about it. If, if you're wondering, hey, could my team possibly make a trade for Juan Soto? Take your five best prospects in your system and say, would you give all those guys up for Juan Soto? If you would, you would. could probably get the deal done. But if not, yeah. that's at the low end of what it's going to take. And those five prospects, they have to be within top 10 systems too. So if you are the Brewers or you are the White Sox, like nothing you could trade would get you one Soto. I guess the White Sox could trade Luis Robert and Michael Kopech, <laughs> like from their big, <laughs> which would teams, be like one step forward. Like, one yeah, step back. What are we doing here? Yeah. So that's where it is. At least for me, you have to have at least a top 10 system and then take your five best prospects or maybe not five, but five of the top eight prospects in your top 10 system. That's what most likely it would take. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine because you got to think about when's the last time we've seen a star really traded like that. I, I look at like Mookie in Beth. terms of years of control, though. True. Um, and, yeah. You know, so it's like Miguel Cabrera is, yeah. is one of the only and even that return, it, it would be it would be way more. Marlins expensive. did very well on that return, right? <laughs> yeah, they did great. <laughs> um, I mean, they got two top 50 prospects and then another top 100 and like how they end up. Oh, they were great. Uh, Andrew Miller had a great career. He did have a great career. <laughs> Cameron Maven just retired. Yeah. It was so funny. I was the, actually go over the players of that trade once again. Because oh, that's that's okay. what can happen if the national like can you imagine the national trade? That's, that's why that's why it's almost never worth it. Um Cameron Maben, Andrew Miller, Burke Badenhop, Mike Rabello, uh, and yet like some guy De Los Santos, and then one other dude. Burke Badenhop was the longest tenured Marlin from that deal. The classic Burke Baden hop. Everyone's heard of him, the including me. Like, I've the definitely hopper. heard of him. You've definitely heard of the hopper, right? No, actually. <laughs> He's a reliever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that package was a nightmare. Um, and that shows you, like, training stars is, unless you really have to do it, it's, it's, it, it's risky. It's definitely risky. It's risky. So let's move on to the next question. Number five, is it too early or should we be concerned with the lack of productivity the Red Sox offense is producing? I'll answer that. Just I'll give like my quick two cents and I'll throw it back over to you. No, like relax. They're going to be totally fine. Rafael Devers is still crushing. Xander Bogarts is still hitting well. The guys like Trevor Story, guys like Kike Hernandez, those are the guys who haven't really completely gotten going yet. But as we're recording right now, Aram, like as we're recording right now, I'm, I'm bringing up the run scoring leaderboards. The Red Sox are second in the AL East, the best division in baseball. One run behind the Tampa Bay Rays at 45 runs. They would have more runs than basically everybody in the American League, except, you know, the Guardians and the A's who are in first, and then the Angels and the Rangers. But I mean, they're still one of the best offenses in the American League, and they haven't even fully gotten going yet. So no, I'm not even a little bit concerned. Not even one bit. Um, you know, pitching wise, that's a different conversation. I, I'm not worried about the offense. And Kike Hernandez 
is not going to hit 163. Uh, Trevor Story, whether you think he's going to be whatever version of Trevor Story he's going to be, I think it, the consensus is he'll be better than a 572 OPS Trevor Story. Um, and then Bobby Dalbeck's either going to get going or they're going to call up Tristan Casas. Either way, it'll be better. So I, I, I'm not worried about their offense whatsoever. Uh, they'll be just fine. And, and J.D. Martinez isn't really even getting going yet. He, he's always a bit of a slow starter. I, I think he'll, he'll start getting hot as well. This offense is loaded. They'll be just fine. Uh, there's no reason to worry about them. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of reasons to worry about them. Oh, yeah, the offense now. But not the offense. Like, that's the one part with the Red Sox, at least, that as slow as you can start, it's going to be totally fine because the Red Sox are so good. And they're not even off to a slow start. Just look at the rest of the standings. Look yeah. at the rest of the standings. They're doing better than most teams. And Offense they're scuffling. kind of down across baseball a little bit. Yeah, it really is. I mean, when the A's have the most runs scored in baseball, like something's wrong. Something's happening. Also, I think we should address, because I came up really with conspiracy ball, that we were going to get this bouncy ball that we got maybe in 2019 when Gleyber Torres hit 38 home runs, <laughs> that we were going to get that ball back and we were going to see an incredible amount of offense. That's not happened. Actually, Colby Olsen, our analytics guy, looked into it the drag is down. Home runs as a total are down. So I don't think we have a conspiracy ball arm. I think that conspiracy was, in fact, a conspiracy. No, yeah, we're, we're using socks, I think, out there again now. It's great. Yeah, no yeah. one wants offense, right? I, we'll, we'll see. It, it, they'll, they'll change the balls by month. It, yeah. it, apparently, they were changing the baseballs by the time of game and whether it was nationally televised, which is still the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. So I'm sure they'll change it. I'm sure they will. Um, and then we'll adjust accordingly. But yeah, I mean, the, the AL East is going to be a bloodbath. Everyone's going to hit. Uh, even the Orioles will hit a little bit. So, like, I, I'm not worried about really any of those offenses at all. Neither am I. Next question. Who should the Cardinals target when it comes to starting pitching? Asked by Aths, at Seth Partney on Twitter. So, this question is really who do we think is going to be available at the deadline? And it's a really, really hard question to answer, at least at this point. Like, who, where, what kind of teams do we think will be selling at the deadline? Um, because we know that the Cardinals are going to need starting pitching, but the Cardinals aren't alone. So I really want to branch this question out to who do we think will be the guys at the deadline that are possibly getting dealt. At least we know that if Frankie Montas isn't dealt soon, he's going to be the number one guy. Well, maybe not the number one, but at least the consensus most tradable asset, I guess, for the starting pitching. Oakland A's are burning it down, and Frankie Montas is their best option. They already traded away Sean Manaya. Who else besides Frankie Montas do you see possibly being available at the deadline for the Cardinals and for other teams? And that's a really good question because it seems like a lot of the teams that are, are in good shape right now, obviously they're not trading from, from any of their pitching. Uh, and it's, it's really early to see who the sellers are going to be. The D backs, even like their, their long-term pieces, they want to hold. Uh, so like you see like the Merrill Kelly's of the world, which I'm sure teams would be somewhat interested in. Like he's not going to go anywhere. Uh, a unique one though, that I think is, is a guy that, will probably end up being traded before people even really are clamoring for him is Zach Plesak, though. I think even if the Guardians are playing all right, I could still see them dealing Zach Plesak. They have so many guys in the minor leagues that are close to the big leagues. You'll see if you check out our top 100 list, we have several Guardians pitchers on that list and several that are close to the big leagues. I think Plesak is, is bouncing back a little bit this year. Uh, some of the underlying metrics point towards him maybe being a little bit lucky through the first couple starts, but 
when you look at Plesak, he's never going to be an ace, right? He's not never going to get enough swing and miss. So even if he's a solid middle back end of the rotation arm, seems like the Guardians are okay training those guys because they know that they can pump out a million of them. I could see Zach Plesak being dealt. And then if Jordan Wiles is half decent, that's going to be one of the first dudes to go too, I feel like. You know who's the guy on your team who I think is going to get dealt? Pablo Lopez. I think Pablo uh, Lopez could get dealt. I, I think Pablo... They'd have to You suck. guys need offense. For example, let's say Max Meyer comes up and Jesus Zardo is still shoving. And then you got Trevor Rogers and Sandy and you got Eliezer at least giving you solid innings. Like that's plenty of pitching. So then if someone says, hey, Kim Nang, Arm Layton, the former Derek Jeter, what if we gave you a really good bat for Pablo Lopez? I mean, you got to consider it at some point. Oh, for sure. I think if, if, if a big league bat is offered, the Marlins would listen on Pablo. Um, but I think Eliezer Hernandez could be a guy that we see dealt too. Uh, and he looked good last start. If you put pieces together, a few good starts and Meyer gets called up I think the Marlins would probably try to see what they could get for Eliezer. The only way I see Pablo traded is if it were for like an established big league bat. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure the Marlins would roll the dice there now, but if there's one of the guys that's established in the rotation that would get dealt, it would probably be him. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm really interested to see what they do with Eliezer because if he puts together a few good starts, it's going to be weird if they relegate him to the bullpen to call up Meyer. It's a little bit of an interesting spot. Another guy that I think could get dealt though, is, is Zach Ranke. (laughs) Uh, it's probably his last year. They're probably going to want to trade him to a contender if he wants to be traded. Who who knows? Probably doesn't. Probably doesn't. Uh, he hasn't been good really, or that great through the first couple outings. He's, Uh? he's He's been lucky but he's been good Still enough. counts yeah it, it counts it counts he's been good enough right so there's a team that's going to want a veteran he, he put together a good a good really good start uh in that last outing in the postseason for the astros I, i'd imagine zach granke will get dealt because it looks like the royals are kind of free falling a little bit another guy we're talking about the diamondbacks zach allen getting traded or what because zach allen could be a very valuable young arm in a lot of rotations especially the cardinals Zach Gallon feels like he's already wearing a Cardinals uniform, but what would stop the Diamondbacks from trading him? It's t- so it's funny about Zach Gallon is he's like one of those tweeners, right? You're a rebuilding team, yeah, and you have a guy that's kind of young, but also not kinda super not. young, yeah. And I I think if he's pitching well, you trade absolutely, and that's that's a we know they have the history there. Paul Goldschmidt dealt from the Diamondbacks over to the Cardinals. That that's a high end option that I think could make a lot of sense. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see Gallon traded. I think that's a, an excellent name. And then maybe a Kyle Hendricks. Uh, again, not a very exciting pitcher. The Cubs but are going to do that. The Cubs, Cubs are, are going to fizzle. They're going to fizzle. For it. Yeah, they, they're going to fizzle. Um, also, last Diamondback. I'm just thinking about gearing up for a playoff run, and the only name I can think about is Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> You think you could just capture some magic again in the playoffs? No, I don't know. But I just feel like if the Dimebacks are free falling and, you know, they do a fire sale, can Madison Bumgarner just be available contract for and... a team like the Cardinals possibly? Maybe. I don't know. I... It would it would cost zero. Zero. No, zero. Absolutely. Like, then they probably wouldn't have to pay him much either. I, I, the, the, the Cardinals need to do something, though. They absolutely need to address the pitching. Um, and none of those guys are really sexy options. Uh, I'm sure there'll be some better names, but I like Zach Plesak as an option for the Cardinals. I think that's one that makes the most sense for me. Uh, and, and I could see that being a pretty good fit. The only problem with the Cardinals is they're so reluctant to trade 
these three prospects, Jordan Walker, I understand younger and he just is unreal, but like is Liberator really amazing is Nolan Gorman amazing that you just, they're untradeable assets. I mean, and that's a question for you. This could end up hurting the Cardinals that they decided with this incredible offense, with Nolan Arenado off to a really hot start. They have everything they could have, and they just decided, no, we're not trading Gorman or Liberator. Like, Liberator b- contribute this year. Could I don't think Gorman will. And are you are you on the side where it's like, yeah, these guys should be untradeable? Or are you like, come on, let's do something? I'm not trading Walker. Liberator could help them this year, but if I could go get a better arm, I would trade him. I would trade Gorman and and Gorman looks good. He's been off to a phenomenal start this season, but you alluded to it here, right? Like you already have a loaded infield. Are are, are you keen on winning now or not? Nolan Gorman could be a really good bat. He's going to, they're trying to put him at second base. You're really going to hold up. You're going to let a second baseman stop you from, from going out and getting a legitimate arm. Nolan Gorman could get you a legitimate arm. Nolan Gorman could be the starting piece to maybe even get you Frankie Montes. Like if you go Gorman and throw in a Lars Newt bar or some of the other guys, like they have some, they could make that deal happen. And they probably won't because as Katie Wu said of the athletic, when she came on the show that they don't want to trade their top three guys. I think that's nuts. Um, I love Gorman. I, I love what Gorman has done. I don't love him as a prospect. I love the improvements he's made. Um, but even that aside, even if I loved him as a prospect, I'm not letting that guy stop me from getting pitching when I have a win now infield. Goldschmidt's not getting younger. Arenado's not getting younger. I mean, it's the last year of Yachty. It's the last year of Wayno. It's the last year of Pujols. Uh, the outfield's young. But I mean, like, go for it. Let's go for it. You got. You cannot win with that pitching. And I'm with you. Trade trade Gorman. I, I would do it in two seconds. You have a runway to the NL Central because the Brewers have come out scuffling. The Cubs and the Reds probably won't be there at the end. And then we know what the Pirates will be. They should be smelling the blood. Absolutely. And yet they aren't. So we'll see at the trade deadline. Maybe they maybe they take a page out of our handbook and say, you know what? Maybe we should trade them. They won't because they don't listen to this podcast and they don't care. But we think they should. But yep. that doesn't I'm matter. Question number seven in the second to last question. When does Roki Sasaki get posted and who does he eventually sign with? Asked by at Chris underscore PR underscore 13. I want to answer this really quick because I think this dude is the freaking maybe the best pitching prospect in the world right now. Roki Sasaki just threw a perfect game in the MPB at 20 years old. Yeah. And then in the following start, he threw another one, but just through eight innings, an incredible amount of strikeouts. He's reached as high as 102 miles an hour on the fastball. He has a 90 mile an hour splitter and he can command multiple pitches at 20. Remember, this is the MPB that created Seiya Suzuki, that created Shohei Otani. Like these guys are starting to come over now and... The MPB is a very good league. And it's, this is a 20 year old best in the world, probably. So, and the reason I say he's one of the best pitching prospects in the world, I ask you, Aram, would you rather have a 20 year old Roki Sasaki or would you rather have maybe a Shane Boss? Or would you rather have, you know, Grayson? Or I, like, I take Grayson over anybody. But, but that's where this guy slots in. Because yeah. the fact that you even have to be like, oh, like that's a question and that's how good this guy is. The only problem is the second part of the question is when does he eventually sign and who does he sign with? 
we have no idea because he most likely won't be posted for three to four years. But I was talking with Jack. I was talking with our guy, Jack McMullen. You've heard of him. Uh, yeah. And he so. said that when he comes over, he's going to get a larger contract than Masahiro Tanaka did when he signed that seven-year, 155-ish million dollar deal with the Yankees. Like we're looking at a nine-year, possibly a 10-year deal for a 23-year-old when he comes over. But right now he's 20. And in my opinion, from watching him, it's not a ton, but I'm like, this guy stacks up with some of the best pitching prospects in the world. Yeah. So I'm with you on that hundred percent. I mean, most will, will, there's the general belief is that the NPB is somewhere between high A and double A. So you imagine throwing, if a prospect's out there throwing back-to-back perfect games in high A and double A. And a 20 year old throwing one Oh two. Yeah. He sits 99. Um, I think he's, he's the top prospect in baseball, right? I, I, I would put him right there with, with G-Rod, Shane Boz. He's right in that conversation, absolutely. And that's just insane. That's absolutely insane. To average 99 on your fastball is nuts. Uh, the funny thing, too, is manager is Tadahito Iguchi. I don't know if you remember him in the big leagues. Uh, he, he was a big leaguer for a little bit. Um, but I, I do wonder when he's going to come over because like, there's no urgency, I'm sure he's making good money in the NBA. Oh, yeah. They pay, they'll pay you seven figures. He's a star there. And his family's there. Um, I was actually reading a story on 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 Yahoo, uh, which they did a pretty good profile on him by Zach Kreiser. And unfortunately, Sasaki lost his father, I believe, in in, in a tsunami. Um, so like I wonder just, you know, what his family situation is. Like, that's a huge jump, dude. Like to go at 20 years old. Like we're, we're imagine us going to college and we're like, holy crap, we're going to this new world. Imagine going to the other side of the world and being the focal point. Uh, so I wonder if, if there's a level of just like, hey, let's wait a couple of years. Uh, I mean, me when I was 20 versus me now at you know, 24 going on 25, a lot more skills than I, than I had when I was 20 in terms of life and things like that. I don't know Rocky Sasaki, but I would imagine that there's probably not that much urgency to get here. He knows the money's here. Um, and look, he, he's extremely young. He can't even drink if he comes over here. And the great part about it is we can dream on him for years now because he won't probably be coming for a couple of years. But when he does come, he's going to take the league by storm. Remember that name? You heard it on the Just Baseball Show on 420 on <laughs> April. On 2022, you heard about Roki Sasaki. Last question, and this is a great one because I have a rotation that I want to throw at you that I think might now be the best. It's not the Brewers and it's not the Mets and it's not a rotation that we've really talked about at length. But the question is, who has the best rotation in MLB asked by at 24 M M P A C H E C O. I didn't want to 24 M Pacheco M Pacheco. There we go. 24 M Pacheco arm. Um, who has the best rotation in MLB? I want to ask you for, or do you want to hear mine first? I want to hear your pitch okay. first and then, and then let's, let's do it. The San Francisco giants might have the best rotation in baseball. And I'll tell you why there's no rests. Number one, Logan Webb, top 10 pitcher in baseball. Would you say so? Yeah. Where do you rank Carlos Rodon right now as, as after what you see from him? Healthy Rodon, like healthy Rodon is a top 20 pitcher. Alex Wood is good. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's legit. Alex Cobb is really good. Cobb is also weirdly legit. Anthony DeScalfani is really good too. He's fine. He's fine. Dude, these guys don't allow runs. Uh, the reason I bet on the Giants so much is because of that thought right there. That it's like, oh, like these guys are fine veterans. 
No, they're all guys who are going to have an ERA under four. They're probably all guys who are going to have an ERA under three, eight. Like I, I agree Morgan on all Webb those could, except for could win a Cy Young and Carlos Rodon when healthy could win a Cy Young. This, uh, this rotation from one to five, we could talk about the Brewers and, and, you know, I'll throw it to you and you could probably say a couple of rotations you might think are better or top heavier, but oh my God, arm this. And first of all, they've allowed the least amount of runs scored in baseball at 20 so far. They're averaging two runs per game. They played 10 oh, games, yeah. 20 runs allowed. This yeah. rotation is, if not one, it might not be one, but it's, it's right there. Yeah. So I, I love, I love their, their rotation in terms of like the balance. Like you said, there's no days off, but I I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I'm a little hesitant on Descalfani. Um, I, I think he's a fine, like four or five, but That's what mean, he is. His, his command is, is, is strong. He throws a lot of sliders. He, he masks a, a bad fastball. Well, so, I mean, like that's fine for a back end of the rotation guy. The only concern I have is this, is, is Alex Cobb going to be good for the whole year? And is Carlos Rodon going to be healthy for the whole year? I think those are two fairly sizable question marks. Uh, the Brewers are already kind of giving you the question marks, and I think they're going to get out of it. Like Corbin Burns already yeah. was fine. I, I don't think either of us are worried was, about Freddie Peralta. It was funny. Corbin Burns had one bad start. We were like, oh, like maybe. But then he had two good runs. We're like, okay. no. Yeah, he's fine. <laughs> But I do think I do think this is a top five rotation in baseball. Absolutely. With the upside. I mean, if Rodon's healthy the whole year and Cobb is, you know, pitching well, how how is there a better rotation? I don't know if there is. And the reason I brought this one up is because we've answered this question before. We've talked about how great the Brewers are. We've talked about how great the Mets are. But I wanted to bring the Giants up as a way of showing you other rotations right now who are just as good as the Mets and the Brewers. I mean, the Brewers with – if Hauser shows as good of a start as he did in his last start, because Adrian Hauser really looked good, up to 95, command of the off-speed. And then if Eric Lauer and Aaron Ashby, that's the best rotation, and then you combine them with Freddie and Woodruff and Burns. But what's a rotation that you've seen so far that you feel like is pretty underrated? Well, so underrated, I, I really – I, I'm going to be a homer here, but I, I think the Marlins, dude, I, I really think Jesus. Give me Rivera. another one. Give me another one. You've talked about the Marlins so much. Give me another one. Do I really? I, I don't think yes. I talk about them that much on here. No, uh, no. I, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, ooh, underrated rotation. Cause it's funny. Cause like the Dodgers rotation is now weirdly better than I think it's than I thought it was going to be. Now that Kershaw is like an actual certified dog, but how about this? The Yankees, the Yankees rotation is way better than I thought it would be. I'll give you that one. I'll throw you a bone here because Nestor Cortez's velo is up. And he, he talked about that, how that he wanted to add another tick or two when he was on our podcast. Um, Luis Severino's healthy. Garrett Cole is not going to be your weakest link. Like, I'm sorry. No. Jaymont is, is steady, Eddie. Like, I'm not worried about Jaymont at all, ever. Uh, and the Yankees have so many, and you'll see again, teasing the top 100 list, Ken Waldachuk looks great out of the gate. He could come up and help them. And it was Nessie could come up and help them. Domingo Herman will be healthy and come back at some point. I don't think the Yankees rotation has been this deep in a long time. And I love what we're seeing from Seve and Nestor. Cole is going to settle in. The Yankees rotation I thought would be, would be fine. It's, it's really good. Tyone is a pretty good five. Yeah. And Tyone's a good five. Yeah. It, like it's, it's really impressive <laughs> what they've got going on over there. Um, I think Nestor is going to keep it up too. five innings, 12 Ks. No, not every time, but yes, I think he's, he's going to be a, vi he's going to be a viable arm. And, and I think Seve, as long as he's healthy is going to, is going to be really solid. So 
I mean, it's similar to the Giants in the respect that you have the frontline guy. Um, you have the can he stay healthy guy. You have the guy that's performing really well, but you don't know whether he's going to keep doing it or not. You have the formidable number five in the back end. Like it's it's pretty similar there. And I, I don't think that the, the Yankees rotation is that far off. I like it. I like it. I said it, not you. Like Peter is not putting a gun to my head or anything like that. We're in different apartments right now. The only thing I will add, the Yankees have the best staff ERA of anybody in baseball as we are recording. And that'll do it for the mailbag episode. Check out the chalkboard link in our in our episode description. We are talking baseball. That's our new baseball group chat. Go check out the link to loop 24-7 trading cards. They're doing box breaks every single second. They're doing one right now as we're recording. And then also go check us out on Twitter, of course, at Just BB Media. Get your Just Baseball merch. Arms rocking his Just Baseball hoodie looking like a beast. We're coming out with some new merch, so stay tuned. Maybe some long sleeve tees, maybe different styles of hats. Anything else before we say goodbye? Uh, no, just excited for a, a fun slate of baseball. And also Freddie Freeman going yard uh, in his first at-bat against the Braves. That was kind of fun. And Albert Pujols, the chase for 700. It's unlikely, but that's going to be my my like most actively rooting for thing the whole year is, is Pujols for 700. Or Miggy for 3,000. Both are... That's happening for sure. So that's I'm, I'm happening for, for that. sure. Both of those are just incredible races in, through history. But also... What else? We gotta we gotta talk about something else that I forgot, but maybe check maybe out I'm the for- top one hundred list for like the fourth time. Because check out the top one hundred list on justbaseball.com. Thousand hours. Thousand, thousand, hours. thousand hours. Arm put so much time into that, and it's one of the most comprehensive MLB top one hundred prospect lists ever. And I can't wait for you guys all to read it. It's available on justbaseball.com. So with that, 